I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but do you know Jesus never invited anybody to become a Christian? You know, he never, he never invited anybody to come to church. There was no such thing as church back then. That was before the church actually got officially started. It was, it was before anybody was ever called a Christian. But here's the word he used when he would invite people. He would say, would you come follow me? Follow me. Follow me. What a, what an intriguing invitation. I mean, it's one that you, you really can't just push aside when you think the Son of God is asking you to follow him. What does that mean? What does that look like? What, what in the world? Follow me. There's a, there's a great teaching that's been around for a while talking about the dust of the rabbi. And basically what it, it is talking about is that you follow so close to the rabbi that's in front of you that the dust that he kicks up gets on you. You, you. you have his dust on you. And uh, that, in that teaching, there's a little part of it that, that kind of gives us a historical maybe understanding for the scripture that we're going to look at in Luke, in the fifth chapter, if you want to turn there. I think you, you have that on your in your notes. But um, every, every Jewish boy, about age six, was invited to go to Jewish school, to Hebrew school. And um, you can just imagine like these cute little kids. You can imagine them in their little uniform and their lunch pail with Moses part and Red Sea on it, you know, and heading heading off to school with, you know, two loaves of bread and some fish and that kind of thing. And then off they go. And here's what the main thing for those six-year-olds to do was to study the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Not only to study it, to memorize it. And how many six-year-olds... <laughs> How many 16-year-olds, how many 60-year-olds do we know that can memorize the first five books of the Bible? Um, as they did that, they were being watched, and rabbis would, would watch them to see who the cream of the crop was, who the best of the best. And as they, as they went through this, what would happen is they would get invited to, to advance into a secondary school, and even a third level that that was for the, the creme of the creme, that was the, the, the very best of the very best that would, that would then be looked upon by the rabbis who would, who would try to consider them if they could be candidates to potentially follow them in their steps, to be able to do, to learn what the rabbi knows, to actually become like the rabbi, and to actually do what the rabbi does. And, what, and the greatest greatest thing to ever have happen is for the rabbi to, to choose you. You would be you'd be somebody that not only would have a wonderful life, but you would have high standing in that community to do so. It's kind of like going from you know a, a real a, a prep school to all the way to MIT. I mean, this was this was the best of the best. I say all that because Simon Peter didn't make the cut. <laughs> he was he was not asked by anyone to to go into the into the next level. Next, level. I don't know where that happened, where he fell short, if he wasn't smart enough, bright enough, dedicated enough. I, I don't know where it was, but the reason we know that is he he's a fisherman. He's he's doing the business of his parents and his family probably, and uh, and the idea of ever any rabbi looking at him is long gone. It's, I'm just going to continue the family business, and all of a sudden, a rabbi appears 
at his place of business, which is the Sea of Galilee, this huge lake. And not only this rabbi, but a throng of people gathering. And the expectancy in the crowd, and the, the power and the authority of the words of this rabbi, they're coming from miles around to gather. And, and here's Peter along with other fishermen, and they're cleaned their nets. They've been out probably all night fishing, and they're going through this whole process. He's a little bit tired, but there's something going on here. And he kind of lingers, and he kind of waits. And Jesus takes an opportunity to speak the Word of God, and, and as he does so well, um, to, to start to touch lives and change lives. And as he's doing so, it's, the crowd's getting so big that he realizes he needs to do something different. And, and what, the amazing thing, he's not in a synagogue like most rabbis. He's out with the people. But he decides if he can get on the water, more people can come around. And there's this amplification kind of thing that can happen and more people can hear. And he looks around and sees these fishermen, sees Peter, sees the boat. Hey, Peter, can you take me out just a little bit so these people can hear? Job accomplished. He's able to then speak to a larger crowd than they ever thought. Nobody had ever done that before, and he sat there and he talked. But something else was happening, something under all this. He was starting to build a team of people that were not just spectators to hear the Word of God, but they were people that he was going to change the world with. They were, they were going to be on mission for him. They were going to be his team. And he was going to start with Peter, at least, test his mettle a little bit, and, and give him that invitation that pierces the heart. Peter, would, would you follow me? Would you come after me? Would you be one of my guys? And I don't know what kind of test they did back in Hebrew school, but Jesus had a couple tests that he lays out. And I want us to kind of look at it. You have your Bibles in Luke 5. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through some of these tests that, that Jesus does as he's calling Peter. Verse, chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught people from the boat. And it's easy to kind of jump through, but it, it, this catches Peter off guard. I'm sure Peter was tired. He, he, he wasn't really wanting to, to do any more than just kind of re relax and get on with his business kind of thing. And he says, hey, Peter, would you get in the boat and kind of take me out just a little bit? And, and it becomes this test of action. Are you ready for action, Peter? Because I don't want somebody that's just going to be sloughing off. I'm going to surprise you with something. I'm going to ask you to do something. And after this long night of fishing, Peter, can, can you just row me out here for a little bit? And you've got to realize Jesus is not a stranger to boats. He probably built a bunch of boats. He's, he's at least capable enough of rowing out just a little bit to be able to do this. But I think something more important is he's trying to check with Peter to see, Peter, are you the kind of guy that's an action guy that, that's going to do something? Are you going to be a, just a spectator and stand on the corner and watch like everyone else? Or are you going to be somebody that's going to roll your sleeves up and do something? You see, I think the difference between follow me and just be a Christian, just be a church member, is the follow me people do something. We, we've got enough consumers and spectators, but will you... When you do something, Jesus is saying this, eternal consequences in the next three years. I'm about redeeming the world. I'm about laying out this whole foundation to save the, 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 the race of mankind. 
And I need some people that are going to be get-or-done type people. I don't need you just to kind of be sloughed around. So Peter, are you going to do this? Because Peter could have easily said, you know, uh, I'm tired. I've I worked my shift already. There's a lot of other boats or some other guys that know how to do this. Can you find someone else? Because I, I'm t- or, or it's not my spiritual gift. I, I'm sorry, I don't do that. You know, I don't do windows. Excuse me. Uh, uh, my personality, I'm a ENIFJPQ. I'm not a, you know, whatever. And, and you know, you have all kinds of excuses for, for not doing it. And Peter passed that first test, which is so simple, so subtle. Would you do something? Can I, can I depend on you for action? When I look at that, I, 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 I realize, I, I look at my own life when I first entered the ministry. I had such an urgency about ministry. I had, I had this, people are dying and going to hell. I had this, people need, they need Jesus like right now. I had this, if your life would be so much better starting today with Jesus. I had that, I had that just burning within me. But you hang around church long enough, you do ministry long enough, you get old and all, you get enough beat up times and scars and bumps on the head and rejections and after a while you just go, Maybe we ought to just kind of float for a while. Well, I don't want to ruffle things up. You know, let's just keep the church going. Let's just keep the church going. And I have to go back again to this. Would you, would you roll your sleeves up? Because eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. Every time you step in church, it's not just to do church. It's to propagate a gospel that's going to transform people and make a difference in your life and others. You can roll your sleeves up, whether it's with these little kids, whether it's with teenagers, with your neighbor or whatever. What is God calling you to do? Because when he says, follow me, when Jesus says, follow me, he's, he's got this test. Are you, are you a get-or-done type person? Second thing he, he lays out to them in verse 4, out, out to Peter, he says, this is when he had finished speaking, this sermon's over finally. You know, everybody's kind of going their own way. You're gonna, we'll meet you at Applebee's, you know, go on. And um, he, he looks over to Simon, and he says, Simon, hey, let's go out a little bit deeper. Put out of the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Now, you, if you think you've got to push a little too far, <laughs> with, would you just row me out a little ways? Now it's, you've cleaned your nets, you've been at it all day, all night, whatever. Let's just go out there and do a little more fishing. Let's lay the nets out. Let's try this again. And I don't know if... Peter vacillated a little bit. I have an idea that he might have. I know I do. You ever get like in this clear direction that God wants you to do something? Talk to somebody, touch the life of some minister, somebody, call somebody up, give them a gift, whatever it might be, and you just go, oh, can I do that like next week? You know, does that have to be me to this person? I know they're hurting. I know they need, but, you know, and, and sometimes we just vacillate. Here's what Peter does in, in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. He's like, Jesus, I know, I know you have a good idea here, but we've been, we've been out all night. Let me just tell you, the fish, the fish aren't biting. I don't even think they're in this part of the lake. We, we, we caught nothing, zero, zilch. Now, I know you're master. I know you're like rabbi and all that. But I, I'm a fisherman. I, I kind of know these waters. I, I grew up here. I know what. There ain't no fish out there, Jesus. Listen, they're just let's just 
let's go into Applebee's with everybody else. We can get a fish sandwich or something. But let's let's. What do you want to do this for, kind of thing? And then he says this. But because you say so. But because you say so. I'll let down the nets. I have that underlined in my Bible. I have that underlined in my life. I don't know of a phrase that that penetrates my heart more than that. But because you say so. But because you say so. It, it wrecks me when I think of that. Because I always think I know better than Jesus. I always think he's missed the boat on it. I always think, Jesus... Would you just look at, let me tell you by experience, there ain't no fish out there. I've been there all night, I've been working so hard, I know better. I'm, I'm the expert around here. And he tells me to do something that just doesn't make sense. But because you say so, Jesus, I'll do it. And this test was so important because Jesus had a lot of things to say that just don't make sense. Somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one. Excuse me? Yeah, turn the other cheek. That doesn't make a bit of sense. But because you say so. Um, somebody wants you to go one mile, go two. Go the extra. Excuse me? Somebody curses you. Not only does he say, don't curse them back. He says, bless them. Excuse me? Do you know who that is? Do you know what they've done? Do you know what they've said? Not only not curse them. I can understand maybe don't curse them back. But to, to bless them? I mean, there's statement after statement after statement that he makes that I have to just go back and say, it doesn't make sense to me, but nevertheless, because you said so. You know what it reminds me of is, remember that old movie, this dates some of us, um, The Karate Kid? Not the new rendition of The Karate Kid, but the old one, the very beginning with uh, Miyagi and was it Ralph, was it Ralph Miyacho or something Sound like a macchiato, whatever. He's a, it sounds like a drink at Starbucks. That's all I know. But um, he wants to learn karate. He wants to learn to fight. And he, you know, he gets he gets this expert, and uh, and he says, "Okay, I, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll train you. No problem. First, before we do anything, what I'd like you to do is go wax the cars out there. And, you know, see, wax on, wax off. I, I mean, for hours and hours, wax on, wax off." Day after day, wax on, week after. He's, he's like, oh, okay, you're tired of that? Well, here, let's go paint for a while. And then you get, you know, paint, wax on. And finally, Ralph can't handle it anymore. What are you doing? I can't, I want to be trained on, you know, he just starts, he just goes off on, on the poor um, Mr. Miyagi. And then finally, Mr. Miyagi, okay, you ready? Let's go, I'm going to hit you. And as soon as he swings at him, it, He'd been, he'd been trained the whole time. didn't make a bit of sense to him. But when he got into the, the battle, of the, all of a sudden, not only did I learn from you, I, I became like you. In fact, I can do the things that you, my master, can now do. And he was, he was trained without knowing. Things don't make sense, but because you say so, Jesus. He's doing stuff so that when we're in the heat of the battle, all of a sudden, what didn't make sense, didn't make sense, wax on, wax on. We're, we're, we're living the life that Jesus has called us to do. It's, it's incredible what, what God will do through our lives, what he'll do through anybody's life that, that can catch a hold of this phrase, but because you said so. When you go on a trail of saying no to the God's directive and God's will and God's call, 
it usually ends sadly or badly down that road. But for someone who will learn to say, I, I'm, I'm with you. This is the obedience test. I'm with you. It may not even make sense to me, but uh, I'm, I'm following you even, even if all I can say is because you say so. Then the third thing is, who gets the, who gets the credit? Who deserves the credit test? Not good English, but it's a good principle. I mean, you all know what happens in a story. If you've been around in church long enough, you've heard that when the net goes over the, the water, the fish, who were not biting at all, whatever, I don't know if you bite a net, I guess, but whatever, they were not responding, all of a sudden race each other to the nets. And not just one net, but multiple nets. So that they're filling up the boats, not just one boat, but other boats that are there, and the boats and the nets are in peril of sinking and breaking because of so many fish. Unbelievable. They were astonished, the Bible says, as they looked at it to see what was going on. Now here's Peter going, hmm, I guess I'm a little better fisherman than I thought. You know, wow. Look at the load. I'm taking this to market. This is going to be one of the best paydays we've had in a long time. I may, I may even start out having like conferences on how to catch fish on the other side of the boat. And once, you know, I, I'm going to be a motivational speaker on catching fish even when you thought you should never fish again. I mean, he, he could be thinking all that. No, but look what he says. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. Translated, Jesus, you're in a whole different league than me. I can't believe. I mean, who is this guy? Even the fish obey him. Now it's not just rabbi, it's, it's Lord. Lord. This catch, this catch was all about you, Jesus. Not about me. All about you. And he falls on his knees. And he, and he, and he basically surrenders to Jesus at that time. And he, and he worships Jesus. And I was almost going to use this as a phrase of, hey, this is a, a worship test. But we, we so often think of worship only as singing songs or as coming to church or being a part of worship. Worship is more than that. Worship, whether we're singing songs or, or teaching or reading or, or whatever, listening, worship is about who gets the credit. It's, it's who's worthy here. It's, I'm nothing without you, Jesus. Even what I could, even when I think I could claim credit. You know, when I think I'm the greatest fisherman, I'm the best businessman, I'm the one who's accumulated wealth, or I'm the one who's so smart, or I'm the one, I'm that way only because of what Jesus has done in my life. What he allows, what God has done, what he provides. And he falls on his knees and says, this is beyond me. I thought I could fish. I can't do anything without compared to what you can do. And, and this catch is all about you. I, Peter was never perfect. <laughs> we see that in his life. But he had this about him. He, he recognized that, that in his own humility, Jesus is the Lord. He's the one that we should be worshiping, surrendered to, and, and given the credit for all that he does. I, I wonder how often we, we literally or just even in a, in a sense in our heart, fall on our knees before the Lord and just give Him credit, just thank Him, just be grateful. And I, I think the biggest thing I've, I've been fighting in my life is this entitlement 
it's this, I deserve this, uh, I should have more of this, I, I need, I, I'm the, you know, it's, it just becomes so much me, 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 and, and some, so few times I'm just getting on my knees and saying, I don't even know why you, you would even look at me, I don't deserve, I don't even deserve to hear the words, follow me, that you would be a part of my life, and this, this whole thing is about you, this provision for me is from you, that you granted me favor, you averted the da disaster, you gave me the words to say. I think, I think heaven's heart melts when we spend more time on our knees saying, it's about you, God, it's you, it's you, it's you. Fourthly, it gives them, it gives them a, the larger vision test. Got all these fish, God. And he says, isn't this fun, Peter? Wasn't this kind of cool that we, 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 we caught all this fish? Did you see the people's eyes light up when we were hauling this fish in? You see, did, you see, did you hear the cash register ringing when we took it to market and we were selling these fish? Peter, let me just tell you something. There's something bigger than all of this. There's something bigger than a big catch. There's something bigger than a big paycheck. There's something bigger than being a successful fisherman. As great as it is to be a fisherman, here's what it is. Partnering with me to redeem people, to transform lives and destinies is, is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing you'll ever be a part of. Peter, as, as much as you get out of being a successful businessman, successful fisherman, let me just, let me just expand your vision just a little bit. It's about people. It's about people. It's about people over products. It's about people over pleasure. It's about people over profits. It's about people over um, pressure or fame. It's about people. I'm all about people. And if I can get your vision beyond you on people, it'll be the most exciting thing to write. And he says these famous words in verse 10. Simon, don't be afraid from now on you'll catch men. From now on, you won't only be a fisherman, you'll be a, a fisher of men, fisher of women, fisher of people. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To come after me. Peter's, Peter got a hold of this so much so that it changed his life. His vision started talking about Jesus to anybody and everybody so that later on in his life, after Jesus had died, resurrected, gone up to heaven again, he had the Roman authorities come to him and said, if you continue to do this, you continue to tell people about Jesus, we'll kill you. We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to stop you one way or the other. And Peter said, uh, well, if you've got to do that, go ahead. That's, that's, that's your prerogative. I, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm going to keep on telling people about Jesus, no matter what. And I said, I only have one request. I know you usually crucify people. And indeed, he died as a martyr later on. His one request was, you can crucify me, that's all right. My request is you crucify me upside down. Because I'm not worthy to be crucified by the one, like the one, Jesus, that you crucified right side down. His, his life was transformed with a vision of people. You, 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 you're not necessarily called to no longer be a fisherman, a business person, a teacher, or whatever you're doing. Homemaker, or, you know, a coach, or what? But 
the vision that goes beyond that. How can I be what, what, what I am? There's still a vision to reach people and touch people's lives for, for him. And then the most amazing thing in verse 11. They pulled up on the shore and they left everything and followed him. They heard the words, follow me. And not only did they follow him, it says they left everything and followed him. I mean, there's certainly got to be an asterisk there somewhere. Left everything must mean something different in those days than it means now, right? Left everything must be very easy for them. I mean, what has left everything mean? Well, they, they left their careers. No longer fishermen. They left their comfort, their homes, friends, family members. They left their possessions. I mean, these guys weren't wealthy. And, and by now in the story, James and John are part of this whole thing. They weren't by any means wealthy, but they had fishing businesses. They had boats probably that they, that they owned, fishing equipment. They left their, their safety. I mean, Jesus said, come on, come on with me and you'll be like sheep among wolves. Oh, boy, can I sign up for that one? That sounds like a great little journey to go. I mean, they, they left everything. They, they left their self, really, at the side of the lake. And they followed. How in the world did they do that? I mean, it, it's no more astonishing for them than it is for, for you or me to leave everything and follow him. How in the world did they do that? They did it because from age six, and maybe even before that, the greatest thing they could ever, ever imagine their life doing is for a rabbi to come along and to choose them and say, come follow me and learn from me and become like me and do the things that I do. And there were rabbis in their life that basically told them, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't make the cut. But now, not only a rabbi, the rabbi, the son of God, stands in front of them and says, would you follow me? Would you learn from me? You know, you can become like me. You can do the things that I did. It's a no-brainer decision. God himself saying, follow me. And they left it all and followed him. He turned the world upside down. So much so that Jesus, when he left, he said, I got one thing to say to you, just one thing. Go make disciples. Go make other followers. Go, go reach other people that aren't just going to be on the sidelines. But they'll follow and not follow so closely that the deaths of the rabbi will be on them. They'll know Jesus. Become like him, do the things like him. That same invitation is to you, to all of us. It's to this church. Follow me. Follow me. So there's a little test. Maybe you find yourself in, in this test somewhere. Maybe, maybe Jesus, with that invitation, is saying, 
Can I call you to action? Have you been on the sidelines long enough? We give you that action test. We roll your sleeves up. It may be as mundane as rowing the boat out just a little bit further so people can hear the message. It may be as big as dropping everything and following. Would you, be, would you do something with me? With me? We can we partner together? How about obedience? You kind of, at arm's length, for long enough, just vacillated. You know what he's calling you to. You hear his voice. You just say, yeah, you know, I've been fishing all night. There's been down that path. I'm tired. Can, can you somewhere in this whole thing just say, nevertheless, but because you say so, I'm in. I'm in. Maybe it's just, can you expand that vision? Maybe, maybe the Lord has, has just... That's just to come upon you with a, a vision expander. Maybe he's trying to get your your eyes off yourself and your things onto this this thing that that moves his heart more than anything else. And that's people. It's your family. It's your neighbors. It's your community. It's people you work with. Just try to stretch your vision beyond yourself. Would you follow me? I'd like you to bow your heads with me today. As Sarah comes and we, we sing one more song, maybe in the middle of that song you hear more than just the words and the melody. Maybe you hear that invitation of, of Jesus that's, that's, that's red hot again in your life. Follow me. Follow me. I wonder if this is the day when you can, you can mark on your calendar, much like Simon Peter did from that day forward, I, I surrendered everything. Everything else became secondary to me following you. And I came after you with all I had. Lord Jesus, these moments are yours. Not only do we, we worship you, we surrender to you.